Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word today, as you speak to us through it, we pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive your word, to have an encounter and experience with your love, and to be reminded of your great mercy for us that is ours through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning, and greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we're continuing this series we're doing through the New Testament letter to the Romans. Uh, And this is actually our third week in Romans chapter 8. Three weeks in one chapter. This isn't a 36-week series, don't worry. But I love that we are spending all of this time in Romans 8. Because as far as I'm concerned, Romans 8 belongs in the greatest hits catalog of the Bible. It is a powerful, theologically rich chapter that, in broad strokes, reminds us that we can have confidence in God in all of the circumstances of life because we are his children. He calls us his own. He fills us with his spirit, and that spirit confirms with our spirit that we are God's children and that he loves us. Romans chapter 8 talks about the challenges of life. Last week, our guest pre- preacher, Felicity, talked about those experiences of life where all we can do is groan, where we are weighed down by the hardships and burdens and we're left speechless. And yet the Holy Spirit within us cries out to God, our Father, on our behalf. So even when all we can do is groan, The Spirit gives us the words to say that we don't have ourselves. And so we don't need to fear the hardships and challenges of life because we are his and he takes care of his own. Today we find the culmination of chapter 8 in this question that is asked and answered by the Apostle Paul says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? What can separate us from the love of Christ? He begins this passage by making an incredibly bold assumption. Now, I don't know if this one uh, caused a little bit of a record screech for you, a kind of like, but this is a big assumption that just goes by. He just says it like we all already agree. He says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. You hear the assumption there? He's saying, we all know this. We all know that God works through the difficult and challenging circumstances of life. We all know that. And as I read this chapter this week, I found myself thinking, wait, do I? Do I know that? Do I trust that? That's such a bold assumption. Do I have the trust in God to believe that in all of the circumstances of my life, he can work for my good? He goes on to say, those God foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So so what is this good 
that God has said he can work in all circumstances? It's to make us more like Christ. To work in and through our lives to form us more and more into the likeness of his son Jesus. Who he says uh, is the firstborn among many. So is this an assumption that we can make? I think it is. And here's why. Now, I'm not going to stand here today and tell you that this is an easy thing to believe. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it is easy to believe that even in the most difficult situations of our lives that God can and is working for good. But there are two things I can say. The first is that the gospel is not a new paint job on an old car. It's not baptizing platitudes uh, so that we can feel comfortable about ourselves. This isn't everything happens for a reason. It's more than that. It's something new and different altogether. It's a new way of seeing and experiencing life, and it is only grasped by faith. It takes faith to trust it. And that faith is a gift from God, that he works in us through his Holy Spirit, which dwells in each and every one who has faith in Christ. It takes trust in the love, power, and faithfulness of God to believe that even in the challenges of life that our God is at work to shape us more and more to the likeness of his Son. And so if you're in the midst of the struggle right now in your life, ask God for the faith to see how he is at work in your life right now. Because he promises that he is. And if you're not in that place, if you're not in the midst of the storms of life right now, then pray for the faith and trust in God to see it when the storm does come. Because the storm does come. That's the first thing. And the second is this. You know, I, I talk with a lot of people in my job. It sort of comes with the territory. And a lot of times I get to hear interesting and fascinating stories from people's lives about the things that God has brought them in and through. And one of the refrains that I hear over and over again through some of those who have had some of the most difficult experiences in life, the ones who have overcome hardship, pain, suffering, adversity, the ones who've been all the way to the rock bottom. They all come around to saying something like this eventually. You know, I wouldn't wish my story on anybody, but I wouldn't trade my story for anything. Because God has used it to make me who I am today. God does work in our struggles and trials. And so often it is the hardest experiences in life uh, that we can look back on later and realize were the times that we grew the most. Now, I wish I wasn't the kind of person who had to learn lots of things the hardest way. (laughs) But what I do trust 
is that in the midst of the challenges of life, God is up to something. Now, something I like to do in my own personal devotional time as I spend time as I spend time meditating on God's word is I like to I like to think about heaven. I like to think about the fullness of God's kingdom when we are in the just in right in the midst of his glorious presence worshiping and praising and glorifying our heavenly father for all of eternity. When I am in that place where every tear is wiped away, every wrong made right, and every hurt and sickness healed, every tear wiped away. Which one of us is going to look back on the lives we lived, even the hardships, when we are in the presence of our Lord and say, you know what, God? It wasn't worth it. Not a one. The reality of this text is that Paul is actually in a rare class to be able to comment on this subject because his life really wasn't a cakewalk. He had traded a cushy, well-respected life as an aspiring teacher of the Jewish law for Christ. He found that treasure buried in a field, and so he sold everything he had to get it. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he recounts all of the challenges and hardships and sufferings that he went through in his life because he traded that life for a life with Christ. He says this, and it's a daunting list. (laughs) He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. And you might think that's sort of a weird way to say 39. Um... But here's, thank you, Megan. Here's what, uh, here's what was going on there. The Jews had an understanding, it was sort of a, a cultural understanding, not necessarily science, but this is how they felt, is that if you were to give someone 41 lashes, you would beat them to death. They would die. 41 lashes was how many it took to kill somebody. And they didn't want to accidentally kill someone because they lost count. So they would always count 40 minus 1 because they didn't want to accidentally kill someone that they were trying to just beat. Paul got it five times. Beaten within two lashes of death. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. I'll remind you, uh, stoning is an execution. In Acts 14, it recounts the story of him being stoned. And the only reason he makes makes it out is because the people who were throwing the stones thought he was dead already. He was stoned, three times shipwrecked, spent a night and day at open sea. He says, I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, my own countrymen, from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city and in the country, at the sea, uh, in danger from false brothers. I have toiled and labored and gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have been without food, and I have been cold and naked. What a list. It puts me to shame. (laughs) And all of this is to say, When Paul says, we know 
that God works through all things. These aren't words from somebody who has had an easy and comfortable life. They aren't comfortable cliches to fill awkward silences of time spent with people going through hard times. They're the words of someone who has seen God's unfailing love time and time again show up at the bottom of the bottom. I want you all to look up at the cross in front this morning. I love this cross. For one, I think it's beautiful. But I love that we have a giant cross right in the center of our sanctuary because it is a reminder of the incredible lengths that our Savior went for us. Of the suffering the hardship. In this life, Jesus did everything right, and his life was not easy. He was mocked, criticized, rejected, challenged. People spread false and malicious gossip about him. He was betrayed, tortured, died alone on a cross, abandoned by his friends, but not by God. The cross of Jesus Christ is a reminder that hardship is not a sign that God is far away in your life. That he can work for good in all circumstances because the cross reminds us that on the other side of every cross is an empty tomb. On the other side of the hurt and the pain is new and abundant and eternal life that is ours and is guaranteed ours through Christ. And so if you're in the middle of that struggle today, I want you to know that God sees you. That he understands the pain because he's been through it. And Jesus Christ is a reminder to us today that the hardships and pain of life, not even the grave itself, they are not the end. Because those he predestined, he also called Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so Paul goes on to say, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? In all things, God is on your side. And if the God who is on your side is the one who can work good in all circumstances, then we can be confident that there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God. In this life, it can often feel like there are things against us. We face challenges in our homes, with our families, at work, at school. We feel the weight of social pressure and the expectations of others to live up to the impossible standards we feel others put on us. We experience loss and mourning. There's the opposition that we get for our faith. There's even the self-condemnation. And I know some of you are like me, your own harshest critic, all too aware of your shortcomings and sin and failure. 
But the word of God says, who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? Who can condemn those that God has declared holy, righteous, and justified? And now, child of God, hear this today. What God says about you is the most true thing about you. So when the others say you're not enough, when that inner voice says, how could he love you? How could he forgive you? Remember that God's voice says, I do, and I have, and I always will. So hear this today, and my prayer is that you would receive it in faith. That you would let it touch your heart, and give you hope and peace in the midst of fear, doubt, and anxiety. Of all of the things in this life that seem against you, God never was, is not, and never will be one of them. God is not your enemy. He does not condemn you. He is for you, and he is working for you. And so those things that are against you, you can have confidence that they do not get the final word. Christ conquered sin. He conquered death and he conquered the power of the devil. He was victorious over every pain and evil and hardship that this world could muster, even the grave itself. And by faith, his victory is yours too. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, what can separate us from the love of Christ? I'm convinced that there's not a better way to say it than what was written on the pages of the Word of God in Romans chapter 8. And so as we close today, I want you to hear those words of God again. And I want you to know that they are for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, The one who conquered the grave is on your side. And so nothing, not even death itself, can separate you from his love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your great, incredible, mind-blowing love for us. Lord, we'll never wrap our minds around it all. We could never deserve it. We could never earn it. And you pour out your love 
in an unending river of grace and goodness. And so, Lord, we pray that we would hear your word today when you say, you are my beloved child. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing.